Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation, and you take it from there. Today we are in Scripture Part 3, we think. (laughs) There was a little bit of a debate at the end of uh, Part 2 as to whether we were on Part 3 or not, but by gosh, we're on Part 3 today. (laughs) So um, This is exciting. (laughs) We'll see if we can actually wrap this up, because obviously with every episode we answer every question without a shadow of a doubt. (laughs) With nothing left to leave or ask beyond that. We're going to come to a part four somehow. <laughs> That's it. That's entirely possible. Uh, scripture, part 10. <laughs> or the part eight, the Yocho. Um, okay, so so I, I promised on the last episode that we would approach this question first because this was actually um, what, what started this conversation. Of what is the difference between truth and and uh, fact. And so the idea being that um, uh, a question that kind of comes around sometimes is that, is the Bible true? And um, and so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, and, and then we can kind of expand on it. And I think that's where truth and fact come, kind of come into play. Um, so who would like to pick that ball up and run with it first? Can I pick up the ball, Justin? Please run, Tom, run. <laughs> also, when you pick up the football, this is this is what I heard on the on the game the other night. Oh gosh. I how come the comment I don't really pay attention to football, but the commentators always say stuff like, We gotta play hard nosed ball. Guard that football. Duh. I mean <laughs> That's like 90% of what they're saying is just, I could be a football commentator. <laughs> anyway. They don't have any, you know, the, the, they don't have anything else to say. It's just, it's yeah. like, it's all repeated, you know. And so every guy they focus on is the best guy at that position. Let me tell you, you know, this is the best guy out there. Pound for pound, I tell you, he's just the best. <laughs> it's like, what do you Maybe talk we, about for three and a half hours when the plays, yeah. when the when the game's not going on? That, that is the problem. I might like football if it wasn't just five minutes of action over three hours. Oh, ah, nice. But I was talking to my friend Jack, and I said, I think that um, if they went back to like a 1920s style of commentary, it'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> Can you give us a little bit of that? Mitchum is running down the field. Look, uh, with the lightning of Vesuvius behind him. Oh, he's cut to the left. Consarn it. He's cut to the right. You know? That would be fun. Like like it's a radio broadcast. Uh, that's good stuff, man. Good anyway. Stuff. What I so you're here's my and I say all of that to lead to this question. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> nice segue. Um yeah. So the reason we struggle with talking about this, I think, is illustrated by the question what about what's the difference between truth or fact? That's a good place for us to start to enter into the conversation, maybe, but that's not how an ancient person, they wouldn't even thought to ask a question like that. So, I mean, we have to think in our our terms, 
obviously. So maybe that's a good place for us to start. But um, that's the kind of question you ask after you've separated truth or fact. So maybe right. that's not fair for us to be... But I think that's a way for us to wrap our heads around it. I think the scripture is full of truth, and I think it has is full of fact, but um, there's a certain way of reading it. If you read it as if like it's the golden box that came down from heaven from God's own hand, then you're going to say it's any facts mentioned are 100% true, um, but all Cretans are not liars, you know, as Paul said. I mean, I guess he's right because we're all liars in a sense. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's um, so for our terms, maybe we'd say let's focus more on the truth of it than um, every detail because the ancients weren't as concerned about the details, for example, like the ordering of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it was accepted practice in ancient history to change the ordering of the story to convey a message because they were more interested in the message the overall point the lesson learned at least that's my understanding of ancient history truth yes you know Caesar was awesome at war or you know whatever right so So it was more about the message. So we would use, in our terms, we might say it was more about the truth that you gained from it. But well, and I and I think we worry more about the. I think modern reading of scripture, we worry more about the fact than the truth. And um, so you, you you know you get you you, you see these arguments that happen between uh, progressives and conservatives around the interpretation of scripture. And, um, you know, the conservative will make, you know, an argument for a particular point of view and the progressive will say, well, well, yeah, but, you know, in Leviticus, it says it doesn't eat shrimp. And now here you're eating shrimp. Mm-hmm. And right. So 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 there's a it's a adventures in missing the point to paraphrase um, I think it's <laughs> Brian McLaren's book. And um, so we're so worried about the fact that we that, that that we miss the truth, um, and I think that's why like a wholesome reading of Scripture is really um, really important. The wholesome, as in well, that, I mean, like 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 the whole like like getting like a, a larger view. Okay, I, I not some like you know good for you, but like a this is a bad word. Like a whole okay. like a, a larger reading, a broader reading of Scripture. Okay, all right. No, I, I get that. I get that, and I think we may move into that in just a second. So, um, you know that that's that's something to where I guess the measuring sticks are, we're saying are different um, because what we now perceive as truth or fact um, is just completely different than what was back then. Because now we are questioning Jericho. Well, wait a second. You blew the horns and screamed and yelled and and the walls fell down. Wait a second, what is that now? You know and things like that and and um, or you know whatever it is, uh, water to wine and things like that. And when you get into those things, um, that that's where questioning truth and fact and that there are, are um, ample shows on. <clears throat> 
excuse me, the, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know what TV show, uh, TV channel, sorry, history, something like that about going back and researching <laughs> and finding Jericho or, or finding a chariot wheel in the uh, Red Sea or something like that, you know, and it's, and it's all of these, these searching for fact to prove and so um, it, it's a question of like, okay, when you find that, what's that? What is that going to do? Um, more so that maybe if we back away from it and um, and and back away from that idea of our fact. Um, and I, I just thought of as Tom was talking of just reading poetry. Um, poetry, in a sense, when you're reading, um, which I am not a uh, great reader of poetry, uh, but the truths are in the words and what's happening and what's moving and the feelings that are behind it and how that moves through metaphor into something that is true from the, the, the author's eyes that can also be true in ours, depending on how we see it, if that kind of makes sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. So I think it should say that on your tombstone, Justin. Justin Dixon, a great reader of poetry. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Not. Oh, okay. Um, I think that's an, an but ongoing. You know, but but, but um, and, and Peter ends, and I can't remember if we've talked about this, but Peter ends talks about this in one of his one of his books. The Bible books, tells me so. That when you. When the when you make fact the thing that determines oh. your faith, then all you have to do is disprove one little piece of it, and the whole you know project comes tumbling down. And so for our um, you know for for our brothers and sisters that tend to read scripture more literally, you know if if there. Are argument is is that the Bible, that every word of the Bible has to be literally true, then all you have to do is sit there and go, oh, you know, that, that Jericho thing didn't really happen in that way, as the Bible says, so now the whole Bible has no meaning whatsoever. Right. Um, and that's like, that's like a whole, that's, you know, I, I would not want to have my faith dependent upon every fact being true in, in, in Scripture. When I was a youth minister, I think I've told this story before, but when I was in a youth minister in the evangelical world, our preacher was preaching on the book of Jonah, and he said, you know, there's lots of battles about the historicity of this book, but it's all true. And then, and he said, and if it's not, and he opened his Bible and he tore out the book of Jonah, like <laughs> this whole section of his Bible then we might as well throw this whole thing away. <laughs> and he slammed it on the floor of the uh, you know, podium area. And everyone was just, you know, in shock. And uh, he had got this old Bible that he, you know, he wanted to make this point. <laughs> and, he, and he prepped it by slicing the Jonah chapter a little bit at each end. <laughs> right. <laughs> and It's I, the power team, man. I was oh, like, I remember the power team. <laughs> yes. Oh, those were awesome. They ripped phone books, you know. Um, sorry, yeah. Tom. <laughs> but, but all but he, he did... He brought me back to sixth grade. <laughs> all he did in that example, I mean, and I told him the next day, all, all that you did was just give every teenager there um, permission to become an atheist mm. and reject the whole thing. Oh, yeah, because right. 
Right. As soon as they question one part of it, I mean, it's done for them, just as Everett said. Um, so. Right. Thanks. Thanks for letting me tell that story. Again. <laughs> and that that leads to what I think. Then I don't want to steal your thunder. Go for but it, buddy. You go. The way we need to. So we're, as Everett said, we're in the middle of this war between progressives and conservatives on on the authority of scripture. And and T. Wright has a great book on this called uh, The Last Word. I think is the old title. There's some new title, maybe. Um, but to me, it, it gets to the point that, um, the, the battle is kind of over, um, how do we read scripture? And some would say this is like, a a, uh, a list of rules or doctrine, you know, this is about, this is a rule book. That's kind of maybe the traditional right. pro- Protestant a way to read manual it. manual for life. Right. Yes. Yes, but yeah. I think right. Um, I think the most um, congruent to like the Jewish way of of hearing Scripture read, and that's intentional way of saying it, is that this is a story um, that, and this a narrative has authority. Right. In the sense that narrative, um, when we get the when we hear the narrative and we we. Um, like a narrative can provide historical background. A narrative can let us know what are the most important parts of this story, like uh, God's kingdom coming in power. That's the this the big part of the narrative in the New Testament. And so um, I think we have to... Tom, I'm still here. <laughs> Technical difficulties... The rapture has occurred. <laughs> we left behind. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. And it, I think it was like right um, <laughs> in the middle of a point. <laughs> this is the greatest this has never moment happened before. in fundamentally drained podcast history right here. <laughs> he has disappeared, I'm folks. Now, is that a truth or is that a fact? <laughs> That's a fact. Tom's gone. <laughs> We're going to be edited. Uh, We're going to we, be able to edit this out. Oh, uh, we can't edit this. This is too good. <laughs> <laughs> I will pause recording, though. That's pretty funny. Let's see. Let's see if we can pause recording it and see if Tom returns. Hold, please. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Listeners, please do not worry. We have found Tom. Tom Dahlman, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> he's back. <laughs> I have seen things I can't even describe. Tell us about your experience, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. The internet just died over here in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was awesome. Okay. So, my point was the fundamental, like the... Two ends of the spectrum are having these worship wars, or these not worship wars, although it's really similar to the worship wars, kind of. Um, they're fighting about the Bible, and uh, rule book on one end, kind of 
no authority fun you know on the other end and i think Wright in his book says this is a narrative or a story and a story does have authority because it gives us historical context and it lets us know what are the main points of this you know like god's authority god's kingdom coming in power that's in a sense, the New Testament, the renewal of all creation mm-hmm. through the resurrection. So um, it's not just like, it's not authority of doctrines or commands. Um, it's not just like a revelation or a devotional manual, but it's um, some. It's a story that, as we read it, it changes us. Um it transforms us, like Paul says in Romans, by the renewal of your mind. So, as Anglicans, we need to find that middle way, Episcopalians, you know. Right. Of, anyway, that's what I was going to say. It was much more powerfully said a minute ago when the internet cut off. <laughs> when the devil cut you off. <laughs> that's right. Well, and... and, and um, um... Is it not not countrymen? Um, oh gosh, uh, uh, Christopher Bryant, who was a uh, New Testament professor at Swanee, um, it, what he said was is that the the Bible's authoritative because the church has said that the Bible's authoritative. Hmm. Like we have we have said that these texts tell us give us an insight, you know, in, in you know into God, to God's kingdom, to salvation, to our identity, to God's identity. And you know they're 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 not they're not something that's imposed upon us, but when we they're they're a part of the narrative of the community that we're a part that 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 we're in. I mean, they're sort of like our family story. There you go. Yes. Amen. <laughs> yes. But I think but I think sometimes like like particularly progressives can sometimes feel like it's a story that's imposed upon them or forced upon them and you know and i think that it's a rejection of sort of a caricature of an interpretation of scripture rather than how scripture is actually supposed to be used which you know the 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 idea that we read scripture literally is rather new i mean you go back to read like saint augustine and and he doesn't tell you you have to read all scripture literally Right, you know, I mean, he offers a different model of of, of scripture reading, and and says that scripture has dip, has multiple meanings, and there's different layers. I mean, um, you know, the answer is like, I don't know if you want to go here, but it's 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 actually to go back to a much older way of reading scripture. You know, Tom talked about the Jewish way of reading scripture, and that's essentially what the early church fathers were telling us to do. Right, right. So one thing um, that Tom touched on earlier, too, uh, to expand on that was uh, narrative. And i uh, been listening to other podcasts and things, and we all have – by the way, Everett, I loved where you said our family story, our story. And um, because we all have we – all, <laughs> we all have a narrative in our head. We all have a story in our head that has been – outlined, defined, told to us, or interpreted by us as the way that society around us tells us who we are and what is our past. 
And one way of, of looking at our, you know, if you want to refer to it as our family story, is the story of the Bible is something is, is a part of our family's heritage and our story. And so looking at that and using the truth that's in the Bible is, okay, here's a, a people who started out you know, when you begin in Genesis in the garden and, um, you know, with, with creation and moving through that and to the, the failures, you know, I was, I was, uh, watching a video on King David the other day and, and how, you know, uh, that culture or the Israelites referred to him as King David. I mean, the greatest of all, and yet he was terrible <laughs> in many ways, but it shows how failure and how you come back from failure. Um, our society has stopped allowing people to fail um, because if you fail, then then you're you're out, you're rejected, you 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 know you can't come back from that. Where in in the Bible, failure is the way to learn, right? It's a way to learn and move forward for things um, in many ways. Um, and I'm not picking on any particular thing happening in society. That's just the way it is. It's like we like winners and people who stay on top and things like that, um, as opposed to something to where we can learn from it. And then moving through the biblical narrative, we all have that story in our head. And if we don't have a basis for it to look back behind us, is like, well, where do I come from? What is where? where what part of me? Um, uh, what part of uh, my story? Where does it begin? You know, and I think that's part of what's important about the Bible is giving us that foothold and that foundation of, well, these are my people and they can, uh, I can use this story as part of my story in learning who I am and who I'm going to be and what I'm going to be and how I'm going to approach uh, the rest of my life. Ever I think for, for me, um, one of the things that, um, and Brian Zahn talks about this, is that sort of the modern um, the, the, the modern project believed that we could create our own identity and that we could create an identity apart from any overarching or, or, or any overarching narrative. And um, that all we kind of had to do is, is, you know, just find out who we really are. And, and Brian says, and I think he's right, is, is that, that that's impossible to do. Like you can't, you, you know, we, we're not given blank slates. We're born at a particular time um, with particular contacts, with com particular stories. And and for those in the, you know, Christian tradition, you know, you see you have this the story of, of Scripture that you just, you can't, you know, you can't escape. And so the idea that we can just, you know, create our own identity out of nothing, I think, is sort of a failure of the modern um, hmm. project. Right, right. That and... And and in you know in in, in the in postmodernism, which um, in which there is no absolute truth, you know it 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 makes it more difficult to sit there and say okay this you know but this is true for for me, and so so essentially in postmodernism mm. you go and you 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 pick you pick a narrative that you're going to live out and. And um, John Milbank says is that the, the task of the Christian is to say, why is this narrative better than other narratives? Okay, I can't sit there and say, okay, mine is more true, but I can sit there and say, why is this one more beautiful, right. more just? Right. That's good. That's good. You know, there's there's the there's the narrative going on, and and um, it depends on who is telling you that narrative. And um, I like where 
Everett says the the church decided upon what scripture is and things like that. And it's good to have people in your corner backing and, and, and uh, knowing the narrative uh, that you use or use as your foundation, like the Bible, um, because it's been proofread a few times <laughs> and it's not something made up or, or negative, And uh, it's, it's, it's a truth and uh, a lot of love behind it. So um, the, and that's, that's the real point. I mean, we, we existed as the church existed for at least 300 years without what we call the Bible. And then it even got changed. The Protestant Bible got changed by Martin Luther. But the narrative that Everett is talking about was still there. Right. We, and we had parts of scripture, but somehow, you know, in our era, Scripture has become, and, and rightly so, but Scripture has become um, the most, you know, the, the guide, the thing we're fighting about in the church. Mm-hmm. But, but right. how, that, that doesn't make sense if you look, about it historic, look at it historically because, um, you know, the church existed before what, this, what we call the Bible today. So right. That's yeah. a great point. <laughs> Great point. Um, okay, let's jump into, for the last few minutes here, um, let's jump into things to assist with coming back to Scripture um, for those who have had the book of Jonah thrown at them um, and other <laughs> Bible uh, browbeatings with the Bible. Um, how do you, t- what, what, what is a tip or, or how would you tell them to um, approach Scripture? How would, they, how would you recommend they come back to it? What suggestions do you have? Well, St. Augustine, um, one of the things he suggested is, is one, read, you know, as much scripture as you possibly can. Um, two, get the big main ideas. Like what's, what are the, what, what's, what's the overarching big ideas that are coming from, from the sto- from the story. And then third is, is that when there are things in scripture that are unclear, the clear parts will help you understand the unclear parts. Okay. Um, so that's, I mean, I, I just throw that out as one, um, op, you know, one way. I'm not saying that's the only way, but that is that is a way to to read scripture. Right. Right. Tom, I think that you we need to people coming out of some churches got beat up by scripture, so it makes sense that they want to take a break from it or they they're bothered by it but i think we need to retrain your mind to hear it in community not as my private book so i can take home and check up and see that the pastor is right or <laughs> win an art you know or win an argument but think of it the opposite of that this isn't my private book this is the church's book so mm-hmm. i hear it in the community i discern it in the community the message of it should bring community together not separate community further um try to read it try to put yourself in the mindset of um people who are more tribal and communal and not individualistic and i think a good way to do that i know i sound like a broken record but is to do the daily office morning and evening prayer take a break from reading it if you grew up in a fundamentalist background, 
at home alone. And if you're an Episcopalian, cradle Episcopalian, you need to pick that thing up and read it every every day and learn it. <laughs> if you grew up as a fundamentalist, take a break from reading it at your home because it's hard to turn off all of those uh, inborn and read it in the context of prayer through the daily office and retrain yourself to hear it differently, to hear it as the church's book, not your book. My mind, uh, that's, both of those are great. My mind goes to um, the overall, uh, and I think I mentioned this kind of in maybe the first episode, I forget, but um, if it is, if it's something to where the Bible is kind of like, oh gosh, okay, um, let's go at this thing because, you know, I've been beat up by it for, for years and things like that. And it's actually looking at it and hearing it from a different perspective other than the fundamental view, if you, I guess, if you will. Um, and something that has helped me to do that over time, many, many authors um, have reset it for me um, and just shed different light on it to the point. Uh, well, and then one, one particular one um, that I'm came across in the last year is the Bible Project. And um, this is this is a organization out in California, Oregon, sorry, wherever they're at. Um, and they make videos. And just going and watching those videos disarms what these previously held negative views of the Bible are for me. And looking at, um, starting with, um, Everett, and I think you're about to do something with this, uh, there is a video called, What is the Bible? And um, one of the good things about where we are in the postmodern society or whatever, uh, I think that was the reference uh, Everett used earlier, is we know so much more about the Bible now and uh, the the uh, literary styles and things like that, that it's actually very comforting to understand and know and hear. And this, uh, the Bible Project does a awesome job of giving the overall, the arc or the narrative to the Bible, and then digging in further to uh, different topics and different word studies and things like that. So I would recommend giving that a try and see where that leads you. Yeah. And I, and I think that, that one of the things that's always good to remember is that when we read the Bible, we're not reading it in the original language. I had a classmate in seminary and um she she made a comment one time teaching class and said um that jesus you know spoke aramaic mm-hmm. and um and this 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 woman in her church says well except for when he was doing public teaching and then he used um like the king's english and <laughs> she goes what and she goes yeah like 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 in the king james bible like that's that's how he spoke when he's when he taught in public, and she was like, oh, "Okay, hold on, we gotta like like yeah, we we're gonna have to deconstruct a whole lot of things right now," um, and, and to realize like like the original, you know, I mean, just just to understand that you know there are parts of it that are written in Greek, and Greek has a particular way of doing language that doesn't easily translate into English, right? Um, and you know, the, the old Testament is written, you know, in Hebrew and, and there's, you know, it, it does not always translate easily over, um, into English. And so, um, you know, to the point like where the Bible project is such a strength is, is I think that it gives a lot of great background on sort of the meanings of the words and 
what's going on at the time and yeah right i remember thinking is like why is why is the god of the old testament so angry and this new god of the new testament so not you know and things like that and 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 that in those kind of questions like that i mean it, it's and for me, it's only information that can get me through and out of that, um, because I, I look at the old stories of how it's like, oh, well, he just punished this person, this person, this person. But wait a second, in the New Testament, he loves you, and um, it, it was through you know education, or I should, should say, information and other people's guidance as to where it's like, oh, okay, here's the grace through uh, that God was working through in the Old Testament in this very uh, in this situation, and and you know, again, the Bible Project. <laughs> Um, it does just an awesome job of that. Um, Tom, anything to add on that? No, I, okay. I think that you guys summed it up. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up Scripture. Um, <laughs> three parts. So thank you all for listening, and uh, may the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at, at fun. Drain pot. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.